Welcome to episode 161 of the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. Alongside Brian Cristiano, I'm Rob Cressy. Today's topic, scout media sold for pennies on the dollar, and what does this say about the current landscape of sports publishing? But first, like we do every episode, we're going to give you a fact about me of the day so you can get to know a little bit more about us. Brian, what's your fact about me of the day? I'm going to say this one publicly so I can hold myself accountable, put it out in the public, right? That's a good tip for anybody. Um, I've just been eating like terrible because I've been working crazy hours, seven days a week, traveling all over, which is awesome. And I love every bit of it. But man, it is so easy to just like, ah, I'll just have a slice of pizza. Ah, I'll just have some, you know, pasta. I'll have whatever. Yeah, sure. I'll have that burger. And then the next thing you know, you've been saying for the last two and a half months, like, I'm going to start eating healthy again. I'm going to start bike, you know, training for bike races. And I have done neither of those. So this weekend I made the cutoff. I was like, I'm going to start eating healthy. I haven't gotten to a specific diet, but like get, I, I will. But I want putting that out there. I'm I'm going on a diet. I'm getting healthy because it's mid. It's towards the end of February here. It's time to it's time to turn this ship around. It's gonna be it's gonna be nice weather soon. Got to get that beach bought. And Brian, pizza does not count. That's that's just sort of a pizza's carb free. Pizza's carb free. <laughs> pizza is delicious. My fact about me of the day. So as we've mentioned, I run BaconSports.com. And people always ask me, Rob, how in the world did you come up with the name Bacon Sports? Hmm. And I didn't come up with it. Originally, the name of the website was going to be Ken Griffey Jr. Jr. Com <laughs> because at the time, uh, Lollapalooza was going on and there was a band called Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. And I was like, why is there that second junior on there? That is hilarious. <sighs> so then moving forward to the name, Ken Griffey Jr. was my favorite baseball player ever that I didn't root that was never on a team that I rooted for. He wasn't from Pittsburgh or anything. And that swing was just so sweet. So everybody loves Ken Griffey Jr. and that rookie card he had on upper deck. So I was like, boom, Ken Griffey Jr. Jr.com. And then my graphic designer, who I had just met, really cool dude, shout out to Adam Kipple from Three Ring. He's like, yeah, dude, I like it, but I don't know if everybody's going to get that. He's like, what do you think about bacon sports? I was like, I like bacon. I like sports. Let's do it. <laughs> Boom. Five years later, bacon sports is still kicking. That's amazing. I had no idea. Yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. Jr. Right. I, I would still like to do something with Ken Griffey Jr. Jr. Though, I'm not sure about the legalities have if I'm able to grow this into the awesome, when I'm able to grow this into the awesomest sports media company ever, had it still been Ken Griffey right. Jr. Jr. <laughs> so he's like, uh, knock, knock, excuse uh, me. Well, cut of that. <laughs> yeah. Which brings us back to today's topic, uh, which is about scout media sold for pennies in the dollar in examining the current sports publishing monetization, just the landscape here, Brian. And this is something that I live with every day. So I've got Crest Media on one side, the digital marketing and content creation shop, and then Bacon Sports, my sports publishing platform. And looking at Scout Media, what happened with them is they sold for pennies on the dollar. They were getting three quarters of their money from subscription revenue, which is very tough in this current ecosystem yeah. because so much content is free. And 80% of their traffic came from message boards. So what can we learn from their failure? And then let's look forward to just what the current landscape of sports publishing looks like. Oh, this is a tough one, man. This is the big question for everybody, regardless if you're scout.com or bacon sports or if you're CNN or the New York Times. It's 
the reality is there is no information that exists, whether in sports or elsewhere, that I can't get on Twitter or I can't get on Facebook or I can't just get in a Google search in four and a half seconds. That makes it very difficult. Why am I going to pay anyone, Scout.com or New York Times, why am I going to pay for that information when I can get it for free elsewhere? Now, the argument is to be said, well, you're going to pay for quality because the free stuff is garbage, but not necessarily. There's a lot of fantastic writers out there, journalists, that are updating in basically real time if you follow them. And so even the players themselves, like now you can just get the news directly from a player like why, why? So what's the value that publishers are adding to the landscape? And that's a big question mark. It's a question mark for me. It's a question mark for publishers. And the reality is, and you can attest to this, making money off of advertising dollars is very difficult in this day and age because we know banners don't work. We know digital displays garbage, hot garbage. So what do you do? Like what's that? And I would love to have the answer to that because that's the billion dollar question. So this is something that I have been thinking about for the last 11 years. So in my previous life, I used to sell digital advertising, banners, emails, text links, and everything. And the reason I got out of the industry five years ago was because I saw click-through rates going down. I saw CPMs going down. I saw programmatic happening. I saw this shift from desktop to mobile, and then the lack of publishers being able to monetize mobile. So all of a sudden, when I first started Bacon Sports, uh, everyone was making their money off of advertising. It's like pop-ups, banners, all this stuff. And then now yeah. all of a sudden, when that's gone, when 70% of your traffic is mobile, you as a publisher sit there saying, my goodness, like right now, no joke, uh, banners are a zero percent, zero part of Bacon Sports. Yeah. But banners get 36 cents CPM currently, and that's straight out of the Google Ad Exchange right there. Uh, so I always built Bacon Sports with, in my mind, advertising was not going to be the number one way that I was going to monetize. That in order to be a successful business, I was like, you have to have multiple streams of revenue in order to do this, which is actually why I started up Crest Media that I used Bacon Sports as my own client to say, what in the world have you done to show us that you can do social media, content creation, digital marketing, and things like that? But if you're just a publisher trying to do this now, um, one thing that sits at the top of my mind is, do you even need a website and can you just go all social? And I know that you don't want to have all of your eggs in the Facebook basket in each of these platforms because had you built everything on MySpace, you'd be, or even right now Twitter, you'd be kind of screwed. But does it even make sense to be building content when you can just do it on social and then it still leaves the problem of where do you monetize this? So if you look at how a professional sports team may be a publisher, well, they're monetizing via ticket sales, everything else that they've got going on. For publishers, they just don't got anything else that they got going on. Yeah. Bring in revenue. And that's the issue. Well, and I'm sure a lot of our audience, right, because they're in marketing the side of things, they, they understand what a CPM is. But I just want to put this in context of how, like, bullshit, low, zero value that banner is. So if you're getting, as the publisher side, you know, 36 cents CPM. So that means for every thousand people, Google's going to give you 36 cents. That's insanity. Every thousand impressions, every time it's seen. Now, that might be on the lower end. You might, you might demand more than that as a bigger publisher, which is fine. But let's use the 36 cent side, right, for a startup, for a smaller business. In order to make $50,000 in ad revenue, do you know how many, off the top of your head, do you know how many impressions you'd have to get of that banner to make 50 grand? 
Well, yeah, I mean, so what, 150 million? Yeah, just about 138 million impressions to make 50 grand. 50 grand, what, 138 million impressions. How many people is that to a website in order to make $50,000, which isn't even enough to hire a really good writer full-time for one year? Right. That's crazy. Which is the gigantic conundrum here. It says, all right, so what is the value in 136 million impressions? Clearly you have a skill set for something, but banner advertising is not the way that you should be monetizing no. this. Which, all right, well, what if you move that to social? If you could deliver more social engagement, is it then you need to productize this? So where you say, all right, now we're gonna be creating apparel, or is this simply, if you've got 136 million impressions, you then have to team up and create sponsored content. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say, look, cause that's it, we're, we're starting with like that low end number and scaling it up, and the reality would be if, if a website is getting 138 million impressions a month, you're gonna get a hell of a lot more than 30, you know, 38 cent or 36 cent CPM. You're gonna be in, but you're still not talking mega, mega, mega dollars, right? And to get to that, size of traffic on a website you are a mega 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 organization right and so yeah i think that the reality becomes is you you have to move away from this like you know programmatic garbage like like bottom feeder scenario and it's got to be okay like is our content sponsored by someone are we doing more video content is brought to you by chevy or whoever or is it you know um yeah, are are we talking about um, you know content that is you know paid for? Like, what is it, right? Because there's if your audience is that big, somebody's going to pay for it. But the reality is to get there, there's no real you know cut and dry way to get there. And even if you are that big, you're the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, even they're struggling to figure out how do we make enough money off of the website, which is where most people are consuming our content. I mean, the Wall Street Journal just put up a, uh, you know, finalize their paywall. It's where the only way you can get it is if you're a subscriber. Um, and so, but that's interesting though. At some point do people go, you know what? I'm just not going to pay for this. I can just Google that same thing and get at least somewhat similar content. It, that's a tough scenario. And I don't know. Again, it, the answer is the billion dollar question. Well, so... I, I certainly think you have to become an authority and build a reputation. So for 137 million page views, how cheap do you think you could buy that? In theory, if I said to you, Brian, let's get 137 million page views, you could go and buy traffic from oh, India yeah. for Pen pennies. Fractions of pennies. Yeah, exactly. Which speaks to the issue here. Right. There's so much fraud on top of it all. Well, the impression is the wrong metric to Correct. be able to gauge success. Correct. That if we're looking at this, we say, all right, how can we figure out our thousand true fans and figure out a way to monetize around that and become the authority there? So now it's no longer we're looking at an impression. Are we looking at time on site? Are we looking at pages per visit? Are we looking for, is it the holistic Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, podcast, live streaming, and also your publishing landscape. Is that what has to be done now because that's the current standard? I don't know. Again, I wish I had the exact answer, and I think it's going to be different for every single publisher. I think it's going to be different for every single brand. It really depends on, you know, wh what are the goals of that, that brand? I mean, is it to sell stuff? 
Is it like eventually you go to the New York Times.com and they talk about a thing, you know, in the middle of a piece of sponsored content, and you can buy it right there and that's trackable and that's a shared rev, you know, rev share. I don't know. Again, there's a thousand different ways to try to solve this, but the reality is the challenge is that there's so much free content that it makes it very difficult to say, well, you should pay for us because, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for that answer. And then this uh, also moves over to social media where they say we no longer need people who can create awesome content for a brand because we can just hire an entry-level college student to do it for us. And that's where a lot of brands do get in trouble is that they don't understand high-quality content. It's sort of uh, you see both sides. Well, you're not actually making the revenue off of it, but you could have better messaging to get yourself better engagement there. You know you know what I uh, yeah, I see? I'm going to backpedal a quick second. And and. Here's the reality. It's going to be very, very difficult for publishers to win in the long run. Not saying that they can't. They're going to have to figure out a whole different model. But you know, right now, with all the confusion, you know who can win? Brands. Brands are the ones who need to become the publisher. So if I am, you know, if I'm a brand selling orange juice, all the content in the world about orange juice is going to be on my website, on my social channels. And I'm going to give away the best damn content and it's going to be valuable. And then guess what? A, you become the authority. B, if anyone wants to find that information out, you're the one that has that information. So you're naturally the authority. Brands are the ones who are going to win. But and you and I are both in meetings all day long talking about, you know, content creation for, you know, for brands it's tough. Like they still don't see it and believe in it. But the reality is it's a big land grab again. Like there was a big land grab in the early 2000s uh, as far as digital publishing went. The land grab's back. Now it's just like what 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 brands are going to take away that time away from the publishers as publishers are trying to put up paywalls and brands like you can have it free all day long. Read my stuff. Read my stuff. So what's your takeaway, Brian? If you're a brand that is not trying to be a publisher if you are not putting content out on a daily basis multiple times per day depending on how big you are like you're behind the times there is a humongous opportunity there to be creating content and i mean original content that's written that's visual that's graphics that's video that's social everything like if whatever your brand is whatever industry that you're in you should just own that entire space forget like trying to rely on a publisher to write about you just Make it yourself and people will find it. And if it's good, it has to be quality. But if it's good, people are going to read it, watch it, listen to it. Yeah, crazy. Here's an idea. Have an in-house influencer. Have somebody who just creates all of this stuff for you guys. And instead of going to find the influencers, you're like, boom, we're just going to start building them internally because they're just going to be our spokesmen for our brand. That's it. That's it. Hire them. Whatever. Yeah. Right. All right, guys. Time for the action item. I want to hear your thoughts on the current landscape of sports publishing in monetization, just let them flow. I want to hear about it. 